Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the Old Testament book of Joshua. Joshua 24 is our passage today. Joshua 24, verse 15 specifically, is a jumping-off point, really, for our message today. Today we begin a two-part series, very brief, but the theme is the art of making good decisions. In fact, the title of this series is, What Were You Thinking?, the art of making good decisions. Today's key concept, decide to decide. And let me tell you how this brief series came to be in my mind. This is a sermon series that was germinated as I was scrolling through Facebook. And I saw photos and selfies and videos. My only thought is that this video must have been shot immediately after someone said, what could possibly go wrong, right? And then I saw these videos, and I'm thinking, and sometimes I think, and sometimes I say out loud as I'm scrolling through, what were you thinking before you put this online? And it occurred to me, sometimes we need guidance in decision-making. So that's what we're talking about here, how to make good and godly decisions, not just for social media, but for all of life. How do you make good and godly decisions? Life is filled with decisions. You make decisions, both small and large, every single day. Decisions, this is the stuff of life. And the point of this is, how do I make sure this is the right decision? Now, in our passage that we're using as our jumping off point, Joshua is speaking to the nation and calling them to an immense decision. Chapter 24, verse 15, it says this. We're jumping into the, into the text and into the flow. It says this. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is Joshua's farewell speech uh, to the nation. And he's challenging them along the lines of the most important decision of all. This is the biggest decision anybody can ever make. Who will I worship? Will I worship the one true God, or am I going to worship the idols of the Amorites and of these people here in the land? This is the most important decision. But I want to focus your thoughts today on that phrase, choose for yourselves. God has given us the freedom to make decisions, and we have the responsibility to make decisions. But oftentimes, decision-making is hard. I heard about a story about a farm worker 
who each day he would report to the farmer to get his chores for the day. And the first day he came in and the farmer asked him to chop wood. And he went out in the blazing hot sun and he chopped wood all day. It was grueling work, but he was a good worker. And he worked all day. At the end of the day, he was exhausted, but he went home happy. The next day he came and reported to the farmer for for duty again. And the farmer said, today I want you to pull weeds. And he went out into the fields and stooped over in the blazing hot sun and he pulled weeds all day. And it was grueling work. But at the end of the day, even though he was exhausted, he went home happy. And the third day, the farmer said, you know, this guy's a great worker, and I've been giving him some really hard stuff to do. I'm going to just go easy on him today. And he said, "Uh, I want you to go into the barn, pull up a stool in the shade of the barn, and sit down today and go through the bushels of potatoes and sort out the good potatoes and the rotten potatoes. In one bowl or bushel, put the good potatoes, and the other one put the rotten potatoes. It's easy. Just do that all day. About the middle of the afternoon, the farm worker came back to the farmer and he said, I quit. I said, what do you mean you quit? It's an easy job. He said, I hate making all those decisions. (laughs) And a lot of us are like that. We don't want to make decisions, especially if they affect others, even if the other is just a potato. We don't want to make the decisions, but we must make decisions. Life is filled with decisions. When Moses saw the burning bush, he was faced with a decision. When the angel appeared to uh, to Gideon, he had a decision to make. When Delilah tempted Samson, the decision he made in that moment was going to set his future into motion. And life is like that. Every one of us faces decisions. And the question for us is, how do we make them? What will we use to guide us in terms of our decision-making? One woman was... Uh, invited to a family reunion. And she had to make a decision about how she was going to get there. It was a long ways away, and she was deciding between driving or flying. It was a long drive. She wasn't looking forward to that, but flights were expensive, and she didn't know if she could afford that or not, and so she went to bed that night thinking about this decision that she had to make. She woke up the next morning still thinking about it, so she got down beside her bed. She knelt at her bed, and she prayed that God would give her guidance. And when she opened her eyes, she looked at her alarm clock, and the digital alarm clock said, 747. (laughs) Now, she knew that that was a type of plane, so she took that to mean that God was telling her through her alarm clock that she should fly to the reunion. So let me ask you, do you think God was speaking to her through her digital alarm clock? Maybe, right? Maybe, but for me, I would have found it much more convincing if the alarm clock said DC-10. Then (laughs) that would get my attention. But we never know what it is that God is using to direct us. God has ordered our lives so that we are both able and responsible to make decisions. And God has a will for our life. But very often, I believe that God's will for your life unfolds as you make a series of good choices following the pattern and the path He wants for you. So before we talk about the mechanics of making good and godly decisions, I want to talk to you about the backdrop for good and godly decisions, and that is seeking the will of the Lord. God's will for your life exists on three levels. The first and the topmost level, we'll say, is God's sovereign will. 
And God's sovereign will is God's plan, the plan that He's working out for all eternity. Eternity past and eternity future, God has a sovereign plan, and that sovereign plan will not be deviated from. Sometimes God reveals aspects of that plan to us. Last week we just ended a treatment of the book of Daniel, and we saw in the book of Daniel and the prophecies of Daniel much about God's plan for the future in the coming days and Daniel's immediate future. And he showed him what he was going to do through revelation. But there's aspects of God's sovereign plan that he doesn't tell us about. That doesn't make it any more real. God is working a plan. And our relationship to God's sovereign will is one of, very simply, we must submit to that. Submit to the sovereign will of God, the, the way that God's working his plan for all time. Proverbs 16:9 says this, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. What that means is this, part of making good and godly decisions is when I'm making a decision for whatever thing I'm, I'm brought to, whatever juncture I'm brought to, I have to keep a sufficient amount of what I call the if quotient alive in my mind. Now, what's the if quotient? The if quotient is a sufficient amount of thinking in the back of my mind. I'm making this decision, but I want it if it is the Lord's will. Recognizing that He has a sovereign plan, and I must submit to that. If, keep if alive as you make decisions. In the book of James, James writes this, You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, James is not against planning. He's not against making decisions, but he's recognizing that as we make our choices, we always must submit them to the will of God if it is the Lord's will. God's will is like gravity. If you're a pilot, gravity is the backdrop of everything you do. You recognize that gravity is a reality, and if you try to fight gravity, gravity will win every single time. God's sovereign will is like that, and so we must submit. But underneath God's sovereign will is what I'll call God's moral will. God's moral will is... The direction he gives us as he reveals in his word how we are to live, how we are to conduct ourselves, what's right and what's wrong to do. God's moral will gives us direction in making decisions. Let me go back to the gravity illustration again. Imagine that a pilot comes to a plane and says, listen, I believe in gravity. I believe there is gravity. I respect gravity. And so I believe that since I respect gravity, I'm going to be able to fly this plane. Maybe not, because there's a manual that goes with that plane, and that manual gives the specifics on how you are to fly that plane. If he or she just jumps into the plane assuming, well, since I believe there's such a thing as gravity, he's not going to do very well. He may be able to get that plane into the air, but things are not going to go all that smoothly, and I guarantee a bad landing, because the manual has to be consulted not just the awareness of gravity, and so too the Word of God. This is the, the manual that God gives us on how to live. Psalm 119, 104 says, I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. To make choices in life without consulting God's manual for how we are to live 
We're going to lack understanding and our choices are going to be bad. It means we must study the Word of God. It means we must be in the Word of God. It means we must read to understand what the Word says to us. Not just looking for what we want to hear, but what we really are supposed to learn. An elderly preacher once said to me, the Bible is not an echo chamber for your voice. It's where you hear God's voice. We must look for God's voice. Many, many of the decisions that you have to make, that you wrestle with, will be covered in the Word. Maybe not specifically, but in principle. And that's why we must read for godly principles as we read the Word. What's the principle that's being taught and how can I apply that to the specific of my situation? This is why it's so important that we go to the primetime class learning to love the Word. In that class, learning to love the Word, you learn how to read for life principles from the Scripture and bring those principles to the decisions you make every day. Many of those decisions are covered there. That's God's moral will. But underneath that, there is what we'll say God's individual will. The choices that you have to make in the stuff of life individually all the time to determine your pathway. Now, here's what you need to know. God's individual will for the decisions that you make will never deviate from His moral will or His sovereign will. In other words, it will always be in agreement with the principles that He teaches us in Scripture. It's exceptionally important for us to believe that and to live our lives according to that because right now we live in an age and an attitude that's seeping even into the church that God's primary will for all of His people is that they be happy all the time and happy the way that they define happiness. And that is not true. If you define happiness in a way that deviates from the moral will of God, I can say with absolute certainty, God does not want you happy that way. It doesn't mean that He wants you miserable. It means that He has a plan birthed in love and guidance that you need to pay attention to as you make decisions. God's individual will is always in accordance with what He gives us in His moral will. But there are some aspects of those choices that you'll look and you'll say, oh, I'm not sure I get clear direction, right? There, there is, in some aspects, no clear command in Scripture in terms of how I'm supposed to choose. And in those areas, God has given the believer the right and the responsibility to use the mind that He's given you and make wise choices. And there's usually a range of righteous options before us. I get that principle from Genesis chapter 2. This is what it says. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. See what's happening there. The moral will of God should have prevented Adam and Eve from eating of the tree and the knowledge of good and evil, the center of the garden. But the individual will of God had a wide range of opportunities. The moral will just set the boundaries. But inside those boundaries, God didn't say, okay, okay, eat from that tree on Tuesday, that tree on Wednesday, that tree on Thursday. No. They had a lot of choices. They had a lot of room to make decisions themselves And that's how we are as well in situations where our decision-making is called for. And here's where we need to engage our minds 
to look for the best choice. John Wesley once said, God generally guides me by presenting reasons to my mind for acting a certain way. And God presents reasons to your mind as well. Charles Allen is a pastor and an author, and he, spelled, and he tells about a time when a man came into his study. He was just stewing over a choice, a decision that he had to make. He was keeping him up at night. He didn't know what to choose. And he came in and he said, Pastor Allen, let me, let me, would you help me with this decision? And it was complicated, and the man spelled out all the details, and, and it took a while for him to kind of get all the, all the things in mind. And finally, after the man stopped with his presentation, Pastor Allen said, well, you know, it's going to take me some time to think through all this. There's a lot here. But let me ask you, you've been thinking about this for a long time. So what do you think you should do? And with that, the man started talking about his options. He started explaining the way that he saw it and the way he was feeling and the, the kind of leaning that he had in terms of his decision. And before long, the man just working through the options had come up with a wonderful solution to the issue. And that was the plan. And so when he left the office, that man was gushing over Pastor Allen. Oh, thank you. You're so wise. You're so sensible. It was such good advice. It was great. He stopped him. He said, listen, all I asked you to do was think it through. And you came up with the plan. And that's what God's asking us to do. He's asking us, think it through. Based on what you know about the Word, based on what you know about who I am and the situation before you, think it through. Decide to decide. So what are the principles for making good decisions? We're going to go over four. Number one, principle number one, God has given you all you need to make good choices. We have seen that He's given us the absolutes in His Word. But some of the decisions that we face, we're not going to find in the Word. You're not going to be able to open the Bible and say, go to this college, or take this job, or buy this house. Those kinds of specifics are not there. However, in the making of those decisions, God is working in the circumstances of your life to teach you, to grow you, to mature you, to be sensitive to His leading. And He gives you all that you need to make good decisions. It may very well be that there's a range of good decisions, okay? And within that range, he says, all of them look like righteousness. Choose wisely. He opens some doors and he closes other doors. I want you to know that a closed door is just as much the leading of God in your life as an open door. But sometimes emotionally, we don't, we don't see it that way, but it is. It's simply His continued direction. And everything you need to choose is there. Even the people around you, the good and wise counselors in your life, the people that you depend on uh, that are godly, godly folks, all of that is the stuff of life, and He gives you what you need. That's principle number one. Principle number two, however, is this. Since you can't see the future, your decisions will rarely feel 100%. 100% certain. Notice I said the word feel because we are emotional people. We bring emotions to our decisions and we don't see the future. Here's a newsflash. There is a God. You are not Him. All right? You can't tell what's going to happen. You don't know how these decisions are, are going to work out. And so there isn't the divine certainty that we have and we see in the Lord. But I believe peace does come 
I believe a sense of rightness does come, that, that sense of peace that this is where God wants me, this is what He wants me to be doing. But you know what? That comes after you make the choice and after you act on the choice and as you feel the pleasure of God in choosing rightly. Certainty does not come as you're making the decision, so don't look for it. That's my point. Don't think you have to feel that it's 100% accurate or you're never going to make choices. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, probably some of you have life verse, goes like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. And that's a promise that the pathway of life will be able to be traversed. It means it will be clear enough to travel, but it does not promise that you will be emotionally certain every time you need to make a choice. Don't look for that. God-honoring decisions sometimes means living for a little while in pockets of uncertainty and doing the best you can with what you know. God honors that. And that brings us to point three. In order to make good and godly decisions, remember this. God is looking for guidable people. And a guidable person is a humble person, a humble heart. A guidable person is somebody who submits to whatever, however the Lord leads. A guidable person is on the course but really ready to change the course if God shows me I should because I want to be guidable. I don't want to insist on my way. I'm not going to go in with my mind already made up and no matter what you say, Lord, or what your word says, this is the way I'm doing it. That's not a guidable heart. God is looking for guidable hearts. And guidable hearts begin by praying prayers of guidance. It says something like this, Lord, let your will be done in me even if it is not my will. That's a guidable prayer. Let your will be done in me even if it is not my will. Maybe behind that is an earlier prayer. An earlier prayer says, Lord, I'm not willing, I'm not sure that I want your will, but I'm willing to be made willing. That's a humble prayer. I'm willing to be made willing. Recognizing that God will take that prayer and He'll answer it. It'll give you direction. God wants you to be guidable in life. It means humble. The fourth principle is this. At each decision juncture, make the best choice you can and leave the results with God. You've got to be willing to do that. Now, next week, we're going to go over the action steps for how to make the best choices that you can. But for today, I want to talk about the end of that sentence. Leave the results with God. Part of making good and godly decisions is having confidence that God is watching and that God is involved that you're not on your own. He is who He says He is, and He is caring for you. Leave the results with God. But sometimes we don't do that, and when we don't do that, oftentimes it's because of the opinions of people around us, because the criticisms that we face or what, whatever we feel from the people who are watching us decide. I heard a story about that, a true story about a pastor. He went to one of these big-time conferences with these big-time speakers, you know. They write a book, and they go from conference to conference, and, and he was so 
impressed by this speaker. He was just fantastic. And, and he came away from that conference and said, boy, I'd like to get to know that guy better. So he wrote him a letter. And sure enough, the, the conference speaker wrote him back. And that began this, this correspondence on again, off again, just gaining encouragement from this speaker. And while that was happening, the church that this pastor uh, pastored went into this time of real disharmony. It seemed like he couldn't do anything right. Every decision that he made, a group of the church was arguing against it. Other people were for it. They were arguing amongst each other. He was in the center of all these, this, this consternation. And for a moment, it, it, he just didn't know what to do. He pulled away, took a few days on a personal retreat, just kind of praying and thinking through the issues and how we could bring unity to the fellowship once again. And while he was on the retreat, he thought to himself, I'd like to write that guy again and get his guidance. He poured out his heart in a letter. It was multiple pages. He said to a friend later, I knew I was writing too much, but I couldn't stop. On and on and on he went about all this stuff and the frustration, his disappointment, blah, blah, blah. He sent it off to the speaker. Weeks went by before he got a response, but when he got the response, it was on a postcard. And it said this, quote, Get up every morning and do what you believe God wants you to do and don't worry about what people think, unquote. Very good advice. Fits on a postcard. Do what you think God wants you to do means make sure that what you're you're choosing is in line with God's moral will from His Word, God's sovereign will and His plan and how He's working in the world. Do what you think God wants you to do and then don't worry about pleasing all the people around you. Because you know what? There is one who knows the way. Because he sees the way, and he will give you direction. He gives you options, he gives you choices, and he can be trusted to give you positive direction in the choices that you make. And we are able to make wise decisions. Next week, we're going to go into the mechanics of how to do that well. But for this week, cling to the fact that God will guide you if you are guidable. And one more thing, when you go home this afternoon, take all the stupid stuff off of Facebook, okay? Just get rid of that. All right, do that. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us enough to show us the way. Lord Jesus, we worship you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you inhabit your people and that you give us direction and enablement in ways to give you glory. So enable us to do that well. Show us the way and the stuff of decisions of life. Lord, we want what you want for us because we know that that is going to be best. So show us your best, we pray. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The team is back to lead us in a closing song. Let's stand as we sing. Sing that again. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Cross the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. The cross, the 
just a minute, we're going to go our separate ways. But as always, I want you to know there are prayer counselors next to the organ by the prayer table. Maybe you're here today and there is a crucial decision you're making and you need God's guidance. They will pray for it for you. Or maybe you're experiencing something by which you just need to lay down your burden in prayer. You don't have to carry it out. They will be with you in partner in prayer today. But you slip forward as we leave. I want to encourage you to stop by the uh, this display from the Family Justice Center. Uh, Suzanne is out there to tell you about that program here in our city and how you can help them. In the meantime, we're looking for the direction that God will give. So let's pray together. Thank you, Father, that you love us. You have a plan for us. Jesus, in the week ahead, we want to represent you well. In the choices that we make and in the words that we say, we pray that the gospel would be attractive in us. And we'll give you the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. Oh